This film is lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian. I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. Look, some of us are lazy, all right? If by lazy you mean wrong. Prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide whether the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers. Because guess what? This film is lit. Magical creatures, treacherous monarchs, Father Christmas, and a talking lion Jesus. All beyond the door of a dusty armoire. It's the Chronicles of Narnia, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, and this film is lit. Welcome back to This Film is Lit. This is our, I don't know, number 10th episode, I think. Ish. Ninth. Ninth episode. Ninth, yes. Yes. Ninth episode. Ninth feature main episode. And that's right. We're talking about Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Probably our biggest book to date, maybe. At least most popular. Book, yeah. yeah. Most popular book to date. Maybe not movie-wise. No, not but movie. Before eventually one day we'll hit Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and all that other good stuff. And that will blow it all away. But for now... <laughs> Or if we ever do any, like, big classic or classical lit, you know? So yeah. it's probably like a 1984 movie, isn't there? At least a, a one or two, I would think. I know there's a Brave New World movie. I saw that randomly. Yeah, I watched some of it. It was interesting. Hmm. After I read it last year, I, I remember seeing it on YouTube. I think it was like a BBC special. Anyway, yeah. well, no, none of that matters. <laughs> so, yes, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. This is one that I have not read before. So we get to play all of our games, probably. Yeah, um, I read um, all of these yeah. growing up. I don't remember some of them very well. Not all of them are great. Yeah. Um, there are the six or seven of them, or how many are there? There's seven. Okay, <laughs> seven of them. I knew it was around that in that ballpark. So, and I had seen the movie once fully in yeah. theaters when it came out in 2005. Yeah, I think I saw it in theaters, too, and it pretty sure that was the only time before the other day that i yeah, watched it all and then the way we, through like we talked about in the prequel episode that we you know we've seen it you know see bits and pieces of it yeah. on tv and that sort of thing but i have not watched it since 2005 <laughs> uh so yeah it was interesting it was uh it was all right it was all right yeah it's, it's a it. fine but, movie yeah it's all right it's not great but it's, it's fine but let's just get right into it and jump right in to guess who There's a lot of characters. This one's going to be tough, I feel like, because there's a lot oh, of Oh, no. I'm about to lob you some real softballs. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. Because <laughs> I Because there, there are character descriptions, yeah. but I think it should be pretty obvious okay. who they are. Well, just, I was worried because there's a lot. Not a lot, but there's a fair number compared to some of the other mm -hmm. things we've done where it's like kind of obvious. Or, you know, there's not that many to choose from. I felt like there was... All right. He had a red woolen muffler round his neck, and his skin was rather reddish, too. Yeah. 
He had a strange but pleasant little face with a short pointed beard and curly hair, Hmm. and out of the hair there stuck two horns, one (laughs) on each side of his forehead. Just keeps getting easier. (laughs) One of his hands, as I have said, held the umbrella, and the other arm he carried several brown paper parcels. Okay, well, hmm, let's see. (laughs) I wonder. Uh, It's Tumnus. Yeah, it's Tumnus. I even skipped the part where they talk about his goat legs. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was still very, I mean, well, and his his red scarf is particularly, you know, character defining, so. The scarf and the umbrella are, I mean, beyond his being a fawn, they're identifying. and the goatee, which was all obvious, but like, as soon as he said scarf, I knew who it was, and then it just got easier (laughs) from there, so. All right, one for one. She was covered in white fur up to her throat and held a long, straight golden wand in her right hand and wore a golden crown on her head. Her face was white, not merely pale, but white like snow or paper or icing sugar, except for her very red mouth. It was a beautiful face in other respects, but proud and cold and stern. Well, one, they cast the right person based on that description. (laughs) Two, you were not joking about softballs. (laughs) Three, that would be the ice queen or the queen or what? Not the ice queen, but the queen. The white witch. Sorry, the witch. Witch. Sorry, the white witch. The queen. Does she not say she's queen of Narnia? Yeah, sorry, sorry. The queen. Yeah, but she's not the queen. Right. I know she's not. Sorry. (laughs) The white witch. The ice queen. Whatever. Yes. Yes. That her. Tilda Swinton. (laughs) <laughs> Which was a perfect casting based on that description. Two for two. Huh. This couldn't be easier, honestly. He was dressed in polar bear's fur, and on his head he wore a red hood with a long gold tassel <laughs> hanging down from its point. His huge beard covered his knees and served him instead of a rug. I mean, I'm just going to go on a limb and say this. Yoli Santa Claus, Father Christmas. You are wrong. What? You are wrong, sir. That was a curveball. You did that on purpose. <laughs> That's shenanigans. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Give me a second. The professor? No. Oh, okay. Well, then I don't. I'm I'm blanking. It's the dwarf that rides around with the queen. Oh, yeah. Which in this movie is played mm-hmm. by the guy who plays uh, all of the. Uh, Oompa Loompas <laughs> in the Jesse, or not Jesse, yeah. uh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Uh, version of Willy Wonka, Charlie mm. and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And especially the first time you see him uh, when yeah. he's out on the sleigh, he's wearing, which was would, would be when the description was, he, yeah, he's got the furs. That's mm-hmm. true. But that, that was Trixie. <laughs> I'll make up for it. Okay. He was a huge man in a bright red robe, bright as holly berries, with a hood that had fur inside it and a great white beard that fell like a foamy waterfall over his chest. That little dude for that ride around the sleigh. <laughs> no, uh, it's Father Christmas. Yeah, that one's okay. Father Christmas. Ah, <laughs> uh, three for four is not too bad. Yeah, but if you see, if you would have read that one first, I, I know. probably would have. You did it well. Like I said, very tricksy. If you would have read that one before the other one, I probably would have got all four of them right. But considering how easy they were in general, that's fair enough. Ah, three for four. I I gotta I gotta we gotta go back and figure out where I'm at, and then write it down so we yeah, can keep track. I, I know. Said, I, I I knew, and then we didn't do it for a couple episodes, and I like completely forgot what my. <laughs> we should get a big chalkboard. Yes, and keep a tally, I like that. or we'll get a dry erase marker and just write yeah. it on the window here. <laughs> hmm. 
Anyways. Let Sorry. all of our neighbors wonder what that well, means. What are they? What is that? What are they, guess who? Are they? Do they play competitive? Pick? Guess who? <laughs> like keeping track of how many times Brian wins. I don't know. Whatever. That's weird. Uh, time to move on. So was that the book? Was it? Was that the book? I didn't have any of these initially for a long time. Mm-hmm. I had like one, mm-hmm. and then uh, they kind of hit hot and heavy towards the end, which is what I thought might happen. Well, I was like starting to like halfway through the movie, I'm like, I still don't have. I feel like all of this was probably in the book. Part of that was because I knew the book was relatively short. Yeah, not short, but you know, it's, it's you, less than two hundred yeah, pages. Relatively yeah. short children's book, and this is a two and a half hour long movie. <laughs> I'm know. like. What everything must be in the book. They must have used all of it because they just did. They made a two and a half hour long movie out of it. Um, but I, there were a couple things that eventually I mm-hmm. thought maybe, maybe not. All right, first one. Does the White Witch freeze people into stone or ice or whatever they are? Yes, she does. She does. Yes, and she turns so, people to stone. Does she do it to Tumnus? Yes, she does. Okay. Well, then. I thought I don't know. I thought something about that was very like. I mean, it makes sense because, mm-hmm. as we talked about in the prequel episode, the mixing of mythologies was very uh, <laughs> Greek, Roman, yeah, Greek, Medusa, um, yeah, Medusa, and and so I was like, maybe they wanted, may, you know, maybe she just, I don't know. I, I was thinking that maybe they wanted a way in the movie, and I know that the the book is probably not too far from the movie, but I thought maybe if they were going to change something, it might be something like that where they can just magic unfreeze everybody at the mm-hmm. end of front, you know? what I mean, I don't know. I wasn't sure, so that was. Interesting. That makes sense. I, I wouldn't that didn't wouldn't surprise doesn't surprise me too much that, that that was actually in the book. But second one, did they get the weapons from Father Christmas? Just oh yes, randomly. they do. <laughs> I have, see. This is the thing with all of almost all of these. I had a feeling almost all of these would probably be in the book because, like, I was like, what couldn't be in the book? It's all <laughs> got to be there. I bet they didn't. It's probably a pretty faithful adaptation, other than little things here and there. So they do get the weapons from Father Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the same? Yes. Like Sarah, Susan gets a yeah, bow. Susan gets a bow. Lucy, Lucy gets, gets a dagger. dagger. Pete gets um, a, Peter, Peter, Peter gets a, a sword. sword. And then Ed's not there because he's a cock. Basically, yeah. <laughs> which we'll talk about. Um, <laughs> this I feel pretty confident was, if not, may or may not have been in the book, was at least greatly expanded upon. Which is the final battle. It is in the book, but you're right; it is expanded on. Yeah, because um, it needed a big climactic action right. scene. Whereas in the movie, we see almost the whole battle. Yeah, because um, it kind of jumps. Our upstairs neighbors are wrestling, just as a heads up. <laughs> it kind of jumps um, between the battle and Aslan and the girls yeah. and what they're doing. In the book, we stay with Aslan and the girls until they arrive at the battle. So we see the end of it. Okay, so it does happen. It does it's just, happen, we don't. It's yeah. not really described what's going on. We're, yeah. we're, we're with the girls. That makes sense. That's kind of what I figured, is that they kind of pulled more from that so they could, uh, right. you know, we could have an epic battle. All right, last one. And this is my favorite one. And I'm really <laughs> interested to hear the answer to this. Do the cheetahs fight? Are there cheetahs that fight for the good side? And like tigers, white tigers or whatever that fight for the bad side? Is that in the book? I know there's at least one cheetah. Does it fight for a good? Yes. Wow. Um, are there yeah, any records? 
recollection of other beasts. I mean, there are all kinds of different animals. Well, I mean, the wool, it would make sense because the wolves we know. Right. You know, or evil, assuming, I assume that's in the book at least. Yeah. 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 So then follow-up question. How do you, and this isn't really a real question. This is how do you think C.S. Lewis decided, yeah, yeah, cheetahs, they're good. White tigers, evil. Um, well, I think at least some of it is pulled from like folklore. Yeah. Cause like the wolves, that makes sense. Well, Cause make like sense, when right, you yeah. encounter a wolf in a fairy right. tale, it's, it's a bad guy. It's almost always evil. Yeah. yeah. Others, Personal bias, maybe. Like, I just thought that maybe was interesting. he really we liked that. cheetahs. Yeah. I don't know. It was just when we were watching that final fight. It was very interesting to me. I'm like, you know, they're, all these cheetahs are charging on the good side, <laughs> and then it pans over, and there's like white tigers and like polar bears. And yeah. Like, How did we decide this? Follow up on the polar bears. And this could be. I don't know if you know this, and if you don't, then we can just talk mm. about it later. Maybe this is an episode down the road because there is a movie. Was the guy who wrote the Golden Compass Philip Pullman? Yeah, was he like trolling C.S. Lewis when he made a polar bear? Like, does she use polar bears in the book? The Queen, the White Witch, does she like ride um, around with polar bears in the book? Because if not, then this might none of this makes sense. <laughs> so, I don't think so. Okay, well then, never mind. Because well, I just in the final battle, she rides up in the movie. She rides up in a chariot pulled by right. polar bears. I didn't know if that was in the book or not, or like referenced in the book. Because if so, I thought it might be interesting because I have never seen The Golden Compass, but from what mm-hmm. I remember of it, like, one of the main good guys is is, is like, it? an armored polar bear. Yes. <laughs> and so uh-huh. I thought maybe that was... Because uh, the only thing I know about his dark materials is that it's sort of, like, the secular yes. counterpoint to it's, Chronicles it's of Narnia. It's very anti-organized yeah. religion. Yeah. Although, um, I don't know... Well, if it's anti-organized religion, there's a good chance that Philip Pullman was responding to C.S. Lewis, at least in some it, way. That, that was what I figured, and but I didn't know. I don't know about the polar okay. bears specifically, although I think, because the main girl in that book, the little girl, she rides on the polar bear, yeah. which I think is probably a reference to East of the Sun, West of the Moon, which is a, a Nordic fairy tale. Oh, okay. But we can talk about that yes. when we hit... Eventually we'll do, because I actually really, really want to watch The Golden Compass. I've heard really (laughs) interesting, and I mean, it got really pretty not very good reviews, but I've heard some things from people I like saying that they actually quite liked it, so I'd be interested to see, and I do want to read those books at some point, because Mm -hmm. I'm giant. Yeah. Yeah. Heathen, so. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's all I got, unless uh, you had any other points you wanted to touch on on what I, we're discussing the cheetahs and whatnot, but uh, that was all I had for, what's that in the book? I just can't imagine what a cheetah would be doing in a battle. Like, cause they tackle like, all the tigers, if you notice. <laughs> in but the they're movie. not, like, they're small. They're not fighters. They're no, sprinters. They, they sprint and run down gazelle yeah. or whatever. <laughs> like, and yeah, they're not, they're not brawlers. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, and that's what happens, though. In the, in the movie, they're sprinting and then they tackle all of the yeah. um, tigers or whatever that are. But as soon as they grab them, yeah, they would probably get their ass kicked by yeah. a tiger, I feel like. Because don't, cheetahs don't have the big fuck you claws, right? No. No, not like lions and They've tigers got, and stuff. Yeah, I mean, cheetah claws aren't retractable. No. They operate kind of like like cleats. They're more like, like dog's soccer cleats, claws, yeah. aren't they, than like a lot of the other uh, mm-hmm. big cats that have like, you know. Yeah, they use them for traction. And, yeah, and big cats use them for disemboweling their prey, <laughs> which I'm sure cheetahs <laughs> might be able to do. I don't know. 
Well, that's why I put them on the good side, underdogs, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, I mean, versus a white tiger, I'm picking the white tiger <laughs> probably versus a cheetah. I mean, not in a race, but, like, in yeah. a battle. And they don't they don't use their claws for disemboweling, so they must be noble yes, and good, true. right? They are more noble. It's time to move on to Lost in Adaptation. one and I, I assume i know the answer to this i'm just clarifying because they never really addressed it in the movie why does their mother not come with them to the countryside is um, it because my and my guess was because she had to work still or I, for money I don't or something think i don't know that was the way it worked when they sent i think like they, they they sent kids to the countryside right. during the second world war when london was being right having the heck bombed right, out of it right, every the night blitz and whatnot. yeah um, but I don't. I don't think they sent adults away. I guess my question is, why wouldn't she go with them? Because you, in order to like, I get sending children to the countryside, but like, it just seems like unless she had something to do in the city, why she also would not just go with well, them. From what I know of it, it was a it was like a government sponsored program. Oh, okay. So they had like people who lived out in the country who volunteered to take in kids and like opened their homes to them, but I don't know that they would have done that for adults. Yeah. You know, keep calm and carry on and all that. Right. I guess okay, that makes sense because I did actually wonder at one point what the I thought it was their it was the professor not like not their uncle or something no, it's just a guy it's just a guy who interesting yeah, okay. opened up I, his see, home because I, I, I that was something I was wasn't I mean they call him a professor but I wasn't sure if like maybe he was somehow related and you know okay interesting speaking of the bombing that bomb shelter did not seem remotely sturdy enough to I mean it. probably not <laughs> that but... door on the bomb shelter <laughs> is just a little wooden <laughs> like there's not like and it's not even like they like went way underground. I, know, I mean, I, like, I know that's what bomb shelters were like. I, like, I know it's probably realistic. It's just like, man, I mean, I guess it's better than being in your house. But, yeah. like, it yeah. still didn't seem, if a bomb landed on that, I feel like he'd be, he'd be dead. But maybe not. I don't know. I just uh, it was kind of funny. Because, like, he's, st- and, and they're having that whole conversation, and he just has the door open. I'm like, shut the door. <laughs> like, you guys, what if a bomb lands in your yard? <laughs> All right. All right, second one. Uh, are there, is there... <laughs> Is there any more backstory on why Edmund is such a cock? <laughs> um, or is it just because, and my guess was because, like, middle child syndrome? I, yeah, actually the movie has way more, like, backstory on this, I think. Really? Because um, the movie kind of teases at him being, like, upset that his dad is away at the war. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he runs back in at the beginning to get the picture. and yeah. And uh, there's... Like, all of the references to the older kids having to take on more of a parental role, yeah. which the younger kids resent, or yeah. at least he does. Lucy doesn't seem to resent yeah, it. Yeah, she's, um, she's young enough. Yeah, she's young enough. I mean, in the book, you know, he's he's kind of a little, he's a little bit of a bully. Yeah. And he's just a jerk in general. Um, but they never really give much of a reason for it beyond he's a kid. Yeah, I figured there probably wasn't just based on the length of the book that they yeah. couldn't have gotten into too much, like, 
of their life pre no they really going don't to Narnia. but like it was just like man he's such a fucking dick like he's such a dickhead like all the time there's one in every family yeah no there is and so like I, it's not like i needed more explanation like i can just i can just buy that yes he's the kid who's kind of a dick yeah and you know a little bit of the middle child thing so i got it i yeah. was just like yeah i was just wondering if there was anything else he's a little it. bit of a bully he butts heads with peter because he's these older brother yeah. he torments lucy because yeah. she's his younger sister yeah. right no, it makes sense. I like I said, I, 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 it all made sense. I was just wondering if there was anything else to it. Third, and this is jumping way ahead from where we were. Is there any more backstory in the book as to why? Because the queen or the the I, uh, the witch at one mm-hmm. point says that if somebody isn't sacrificed, like Narnia is screwed. She says that at one point in the movie. She yeah. says like she shows up and says we have to sacrifice. Uh, Peter, Edmund, or whatever, whoever, Edmund or Peter, I don't know, whichever one mm-hmm. it is. And she goes, we have to sacrifice him or else, like, you'll know, you know that if we don't, like, it, we're, like, we're, I don't know, I, I don't, they're never imply like, necessarily what's going to happen, but, like, it, the Narnia is going to end or something bad's going to happen or something. And because they all seem to, like, understand this as true. That, right. that this, like, even all the people on the good side seem to be like, yeah, no, we'll have to sacrifice somebody. Uh, and then, so Aslan, you know, says, take me instead of Edmund mm-hmm. or whatever. I'm just wondering if there's any more in the book as to why, what the rules are, why they need a sacrifice, what would happen if they don't sacrifice somebody. I mean, there's not all that much more of an explanation. Yeah. In the book, they mention um, the emperor. They call him the emperor who, which like, created Narnia okay. and put the magic into it, which, applying the Christian mythology right. to it, I read as God, uh, yeah. if Aslan is Jesus right. and the White Witch is more or less a stand-in for the devil. Kind of. Kind or of. the Antichrist, maybe. Well, not really. Although, but, yeah. what's interesting, um, they don't mention this in the movie, I don't think, but in the book, she gets she's called out as a descendant of Lilith, Adam's oh. first wife. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think that's mentioned in the movie. Yeah, who, and I mean, Lilith, according to stories becomes yeah. like a demon right so but yeah so there's nothing beyond uh, but it's funny because they don't mention in the movie the uh emperor or whatever you said right that's never mentioned yeah um, which i want to talk about later because i kind of have some notes about that whole angle of it right so reading it as um this kind of religious stand-in Allegory. <laughs> I, I don't even know the other. I don't even know a better word for it. You don't because um, there probably isn't. There probably is. I, yeah. If I read it like that, then to me the idea is that similar to how in the Bible humanity is cursed by the first sins of Adam and Eve. Right. Um, Eve specifically, get it right. It's women's fault. <laughs> We can talk about that another day. I'm just saying. Um, But because humanity is cursed with original sin, they are subject to right going down to hell, eternal damnation, all all the bad stuff. Right, all the bad stuff. So if I read the White Witch as kind of a stand-in for the devil, and that kind of sort of character-ish, then she would have rights to someone like Edmund, a traitor. Right. Traitor, the ninth circle of hell. The worst circle. 
Which I mean, that's not yeah. Biblical, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure. Dante, but sure. Bring it all in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> C.S. Lewis would have read that. Yeah, he would have been all over. He would have so. been all about Dante, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so to me, um, it, it's kind of a C.S. Lewis's way of writing in this is God's rule, the emperor's rule, right? That Edmund, yeah. a traitor, is going to need to belong to right. her unless Somewhere. Aslan slash Jesus steps in right. and sacrifices himself. Right. Which we'll get to because <laughs> I had some notes about... Anyways, we'll, we'll get there when we get into some more general discussion about the movie, but that's a... It might get a little controversial, but we'll see. Um, All right. So this is my last one. Uh, We don't, in the movie, we don't really get any sort of frame of reference for how long they are in Narnia. I mean, obviously, by the end, they've been there for 30 years or whatever, or 20 years or whatever. But, I mean, uh, prior to the battle, Mm -hmm. we don't really know how long they've been there and i was the reason i'm wondering is because was it long enough for them to learn how to sword fight and shit okay (laughs) so they're not there for very long or at least we don't really see any time pass yeah in the book much like is what happens in the movie yeah Um, it seems like they're there for a few weeks basically before the battle happens maybe if that in the book peter knows how to use the sword Here's where I think the movie went wrong. Okay. They showed him, like, being unsure of how to use it. And then all of a sudden, he knows how to use yeah. it. So in the, in, the, in, the, in the book, he just... He just knows how to use it. Because that would make sense if, like, just magic, he can use a sword. Like, when he well, gets to Narnia. Or, or if somehow he knew before well, that. Well, here's the thing, is that it's the 40s. Yeah, fencing. And he lives in England. I find it completely feasible that he would have learned some fencing in school. Yeah, that's not completely unbelievable. That's true. And, and, you know, since since the book doesn't ever show him not knowing how to use it, you just buy it. You just assume, yeah, Yeah. he knows how to use a sword. But because the the movie made that mistake of showing him, like, being unsure with it and not knowing what to do. Yeah, he just kind of holds it and points holding it weird. (laughs) Yeah. If they had showed him just using it... Yeah. We would have bought it. Yeah, I would have. I would have been like, all right, fine. I guess he knows how to use a sword. Or, Or even if I didn't assume, like, yeah, he took fencing or whatever, I would just assume, like, which fencing and broadsword sword fighting are, I mean, that's... A, l- a little different, but sure, I mean, I mean sure, fair enough. You would have some sort of you martial would have training, some sort of <laughs> yeah, combat, yeah, but some sort at least of some idea. sort of understanding of how to hold it and how to move it, right? Right, yeah. I mean, again, it, it kind of depends, but there are lots of different types of fencing. He could have been taken sacred yeah. fencing, which would make more sense. But uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, but even if he, even if we didn't assume that, I think I still would have been on board if I just like assumed as some sort of like vague like. When he got to Narnia as a son of Adam or whatever, mm-hmm. he just sort of becomes imbued with, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just, like, being yeah. there kind of like, oh, like, he, and, like, even if, like, in that first scene, he, like, started using it, and and now, and then this is a different thing, of, like, oh, I know how to use a sword. Like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Like, no, nah, I think you could do it either way. I think you even have to, like you said, do it like the book. Just, you can just use a sword, and you're like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, fine, whatever. But yeah, they never really touch on any sort of background or and uh, and it's very interesting in the movie because yeah, it's like they they train. There's like a not mm-hmm. a montage, but there's like a yeah, there's a, scene a, a where very like, short training scene. And it's like oh, so they learned how to like use their weapons in like a few days, <laughs> <laughs> enough to go into battle with them. All right, cool. Well, that's all I got for Lost in Adaptation. I think that means it's time to move on to your segments, starting with Better in the Book. 
This is a really faithful adaptation. I had a feeling watching it. It felt um, faithful. There are little changes. There's stuff that you wouldn't necessarily notice if you hadn't read the book. Yeah. They never break a window in the professor's house. I was wondering that. I was I actually almost wrote that down for was that yeah. in the book if that the reason they ended up in the thing was because they were hiding. Yeah. I, that felt I almost wrote that down. In the, uh, the reason in the book, the reason is that they're hiding from the housekeeper, but it's because she's bringing a tour of people like oh, through the because okay. it's like an old historic right. house. So she's bringing like a touring group through, and they're like, "Oh shit, gotta hide because she'll yell at us." Right? They don't break a window. Okay. So there's you know there's little things that they added, little changes that they made, but this is one of those rare adaptations where it feels like you're watching the book on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could, I, I, even having never read the book, I could feel that kind mm-hmm. of, it just seemed like this is probably pretty much what this book is like, other than little things like the battle at the end. I did not remember that this movie was almost two and a half hours long. <sighs> yeah, it's like 225. But thinking about it, I understand why it is, yeah. actually, because the story itself, like it's a, it's a faithful adaptation and the story itself is pretty spare. Yeah. So there's not really anything that you can cut without yeah. losing crucial plot elements. No, that's fair. But at the same time, there are things that you have to add to make it feel like a movie, like backstory yeah. and tension between the siblings yeah. and longer action scenes. Yeah. So instead of being able to take things out, all they could do was add. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and it was such a short book. It's like you really can pretty much almost get all of, you know, what's in the book yeah. into a film. It, yeah. When you make a two and a half hour film, I mean, in, in, in screenwriting, generally a page of a, of a script is a minute of screen time, give or take, depends on what you're doing. But in general, that mm-hmm. is the rule when you're writing a screenplay is that a page of script is a page of screen time or a minute of screen time. And so if you think a page of script, 200 and, or no, sorry, uh, let's see, two hours and 20 minutes is what, uh, uh, 120, 145 pages mm-hmm. of script, shooting script, probably around 150 pages or something. And the book is 100. And, it's around 180. And now they're, yeah. the formatting's different. It's not all the yeah. text, but it's similar, you know, and because you can also <laughs> shortcut a lot of stuff in a script. You know, when they're setting up, you can you can describe the thing. You know, you right. don't have to write out all the descriptions. Yeah, as and, and there is a lot of description. Yeah, so you don't have to write all the descriptions quite as in-depth because you do that later in stages through the art direction and all that sort of stuff. You just go, okay, it's this, mm-hmm. it's this set, and you describe it a little bit. But So, it makes sense that a 190-page book or whatever turned into a 150-page screenplay. Everything is there. Like, yeah. That oh, yeah. kind of makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple little things that I didn't particularly care for in the movie. Okay. The handshake joke with Lucy and Mr. Tumnus where she offers to shake his hand and, and he, he like says, doesn't know what the what's a like that's played out. Yeah. Stop. Stop making that joke. Yeah. I don't like it. Well it is now, but was it in two thousand five? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um on a similar note I don't think the movie sold the friendship between Lucy and Tumnus enough. They don't get a yeah, I I agree with that. You don't get it's very quickly I know what you're saying because I felt there was a, a moment where he like so desperately so upset about betraying her mm-hmm. like immediately and I'm like you you've known each other for 5 minutes. Like 
and like I don't know. I I agree that their relationship wasn't as it didn't it didn't grab me the way yeah. that like like a good example of a good portrayal of a of a book relationship that should be very central and very pivotal and very important that works in a movie is uh, Hagrid and Harry in the Harry yes. Potter series yeah. and work pretty much immediately in the first movie. You know, throughout the course of the first movie, you get and see it, and you don't and get that same feeling. You know, with this where it was like it, you know. Yeah, it didn't feel it's... quite so heartwarming. Their relationship. Yeah, and know. and the moment where Aslan like appears in the fire while he's playing was that what that was? Flute, I didn't even know. I'm what that pretty was. sure it was the lion. Yeah, it so was, I assume but... it was it was Aslan. Right. That's not in the book. That scene was weird. I didn't get it. And I don't. <laughs> I did not like that because in the book he does start to play the music. And then almost immediately, he, he's like, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. Because he really is a good fawn. Right. Um, and I feel like having Aslan pop up in the fire or whatever, like that undermines his character yeah. growth or yeah. whatever, character development. Yeah. Not a fan. I wasn't a huge fan of all the tension between the siblings. Yeah, I, there was even more than just yeah. Edmund. There was quite a bit. Like, I get it, but it felt in excess hmm. to me. To me, it didn't. But, I mean, to me, it felt pretty reasonable-ish for uh, four siblings, roughly. Yeah, age. no, I agree that it's reasonable. Um, and I think it does lend itself well to character development. Yeah. But it was just kind Is of Is there any particular moments that you're me. thinking of that that stuck out to you that was like, oh. Um, it was mostly the tension between Peter and Edmund that oh, like really? grated at me. Interesting. So is it, it's not as much so in the book because no, I mean not that at seems kind of pivotal to the the whole storyline of him being a traitor and whatnot. Is sort of their rivalry. No, huh. I I mean the thing where Peter and Susan kind of have to take on a more parental type yeah. of role is is there. Yeah, but it's not as emphasized. And you can tell that Edmund resents it, but again, it's not, like, a major point. I mean, maybe it's just because it's not so emphasized in the book that yeah. I was, it was, I don't know. Well, it, I mean, actually, sorry, not to cut you off, but I actually, I guess I did notice a little bit, because I, I, one of my things was, why is Edmund such a cock? Like, yeah. so, like, that was felt very played up in the sense that Edmund being so, Edmund, right? Yeah. Edmund, um, being so, like... Just fucking obnoxious. So uh, I did feel that, and it, yeah. and it made me wonder why. And so the fact that there, not only is there no explanation in the book, but it, that it's not even played up in this, the manner that it is. No, it's it's not played up in the same way. Um, and maybe they felt like they had to explain a little bit why he would sell out his yeah, family. Yeah, and that makes sense. Like I maybe think. um, you know, maybe like to me, it makes perfect sense that a little kid being a dick to his siblings would just do that. Yeah. But maybe they felt like they had to yeah. give it more of a push yeah. for the movie to sell it to audiences. Well, I think we, I think that makes sense because we had to dislike Edmund more. Yeah. Mrs. Beaver is supposed to have, like, adorable little spectacles. She doesn't have glasses. That's weird. 
Why would you not put that? Maybe it was like I way know. more expensive. <laughs> like maybe it the animation been so cute. Maybe it was like really tough to animate or something. Yeah, that doesn't maybe. make sense. She's supposed to have like like little round, yeah, little round beaver sized spectacles on her maybe little beaver face. Maybe that's why that joke when they draw them on that. No, tag? that's in the book. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah, never mind. <laughs> It was funny because we were watching the movie. I completely blanked out. Maybe I was in the bath. I ran to the bathroom once in the movie. Maybe it was during that because it's a two and a half hour long movie. But maybe it was uh, during that scene where they drew the glasses on because I was like, we got to the end of the movie and there's that, what is it? It's, tiger, a, it's a lion. A lion. Like and a, it's got yeah. glasses drawn on it. I'm like, and, and like the camera directed, like very directly cuts to it. And it's like, ha look. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what is the joke here? What am I missing? And they were like, no, they drew those on earlier. And I was like, oh, okay. I missed that. Yeah, that's in the book. It really is a faithful adaptation. No, yeah, apparently. Because <laughs> that totally seems like a movie thing they would add, like yeah. a, you know, a little gag. So I'm not sure if I can like back this up with any real evidence. Well, then don't bring that <laughs> shit in here. Slap it down. But... I feel like the movie is weirdly kind of preachier than the book. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Like, the religious elements are there in the book, but I, like, for me, I never felt like I was being, like, preached, preached to. to. Yeah. But there are a couple points in the movie where Aslan starts talking, and, and I'm like, like right. are you trying to sell me All something, right. movie? <laughs> You know, it's hilarious that you say that because one of my notes, like the last note I wrote uh, when we were watching the film was, uh, you know, the religious symbolism in this movie is honestly more subtle than most Ridley Scott films. (laughs) (laughs) In a C.S. Lewis movie about a a lion that is literally, figuratively, Jesus. And the religious symbolism is way more subtle than any Ridley Scott film I've ever seen. Where he's pushing that angle. Oh, um, which is most of them. <laughs> which is most of Ridley Scott films, other than like Alien. So. I'm sure we could make that one religious if we tried. I'm sure too. Um, so that's all I have for Better in the Book. Better in the Book. Which is really just a list of things I didn't like in the movie. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so here's my list of things I did like about the movie. Time for Better in the Movie. <laughs> So the book starts out with them already at the professor's house. Yeah, I think I knew that. And I like that the movie starts a little bit before, and we get to see them like at home. See the actual, yeah. Blitz see and... the yeah, the, yeah. See the Blitz and see them traveling to the professor's yeah. house. Uh, the the World War Two aspect is way more emphasized in the movie yeah. than it is in the book. I mean, they never really even talk about why they're there. Oh, really? In the book. Huh. Which, it makes sense for the time period that he wrote it. Yeah, people would have known. They would just get it. They would just get what was going on. But, you know, I enjoyed that. Do they, in the book, do they uh, discuss or talk about the fact that their dad is in the war? Is that mentioned at all? I don't. They mention their father once or twice, but never, like, they don't really talk about it. That's interesting, because that's very, I mean, very, it's a very clear, like. Like, point of. Point of, uh. 
uh, part of a the character initial character development of both Edmund and Peter yeah. mainly, but yeah, uh, I mean all of them, but mainly the two boys. Um, I liked the fox character. The fox wasn't in the book. There is a fox in the book, but it's not the same. Oh, okay, like it doesn't play out the same way. That fox can take a beating. I know. Really. It's ripped, grabbed, and thrown around by wolves all over the place. And it's I really like, like I liked that little fox. Yeah, you're a big fox fan, so. Yeah. Uh, the scene where Edmund meets Tumnus in prison in the White Witch's castle yeah, yeah. is not in the book. And I, I thought that was a good bit of character development for Edmund. Yeah. I thought it was a stronger yeah. piece of character development than what's in the book. I also thought that uh, the frozen glass of water that they give him when he's in prison, <laughs> that was a nice touch. Yeah. Good little joke. Good little joke. <laughs> I have a lot of general discussion Yeah, I have some notes. general notes. We can move on to that. We're going to get into a little bit of a general discussion about the film. Probably going to get a little contentious and a little oh, religious. Maybe. So prepare yeah, yourself. <laughs> First thing, Liam Neeson is fine. I like Liam Neeson. But I think if Disney really loved us, they would have cast James Earl Jones as Aslan. <laughs> he would have been better. He really would <laughs> If have Disney better. really loved us, that's what they would have done. Liam Neeson is quite good in it. It's a yeah. very good role. I mean, it's very clearly Liam Neeson. Like, there's never been a more like, hey, that's Liam Neeson. <laughs> like, there's, it's one of those voices... Which is funny, because he doesn't do a lot of just voice stuff. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, because he has a really, he has such a distinct voice. You know, there's movies when you watch animated films where you're like, oh, who is that? Mm -hmm. You know, you hear him and you're like, I know that voice. Like, it happens all the time when I watch, like, you know, Pixar movies and stuff. And then you're like, ah, that's who it is. And you think of it. With that, it's like, there's no, that's <laughs> Liam Neeson. Like, that is just Liam Neeson. Uh, but it's funny, yeah, he doesn't do yeah, a lot of voice I wonder work. if maybe he was a fan of the books. Probably, yeah, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me. Maybe he didn't want to, maybe he did that and... He was like, I want that to be my yeah. animated voice. I am <laughs> Lion Jesus. <laughs> I mean, when you get to be Lion Jesus. You get to be Lion Jesus. Where is there to go from there? All downhill. <laughs> I have a note that says, God damn, there are a lot of fur coats in that wardrobe. Because <laughs> when they were going through that wardrobe, it was like a mile and a half of fur coats. It's like, why are there so many fur coats in that wardrobe? But that's magic, because when they yeah. see it without that, it's like two. Yeah. <laughs> and then the wall's there. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was funny. And then my other initial movie note. Most, unrealist, most unrealistic thing about this movie, an eight-year-old girl likes sardines. <laughs> She's British. <laughs> she is British, so it makes sense. And, and in the 40s, so I get, like... It, you know, if any eight-year-old girl's going to like sardines, it's an eight-year-old British girl in the 40s. <laughs> but still, yeah. seemed a little strange. She I was mean, like, what was sardines? During uh, war rationing, That's too. true. That so she, totally might, she might have not had sardines. Sardines are probably a treat. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. Like, go get my weekly ration of sardines. That makes sense. I just thought it was funny because I'm like, no little kids <laughs> these days like sardines at all. I don't think any kids would like Turkish delight these days either. So. I really, you, you 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 found a recipe. I really want to try it because it looks so weird. I know. Like, it's it like, well, like, it's like a jelly. I know, candy. but it also looks very. It's supposed to be, isn't it? Supposed to, and when he's eating it, it looks very soft. Yeah, like I like when you look at it. It looks like it would be very chewy and mm -hmm. like, you know, like uh, taffy or something. Mm -hmm. Or or like uh, 
or like what you call those little awful candies in the yellow box, like Juju Bees. <laughs> That's what it looks like. But then when he's eating it, and from what I've read after when I was watching the movie, I was googling Turkish delight. And, and it's supposed to be very soft and light. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, what? How does that happen? So I really want to make it and see what it's like. I would like to make it. Um, if we make it, I think we should like Facebook Live. Yeah, we should post it. Yeah. That would be fun. Trying Cooking it. with yeah. this film is lit. And then we'll taste it and we'll see if it's worth selling out your family for. Yeah. Or if Edmund's just a cock. <laughs> Spoilers, he's probably it's probably going to be mediocre. <laughs> I don't know what kind of candy they had back yeah. then. No, I don't know. You know. Probably chocolate. Yeah. Shitty chocolate. Shitty war chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can think of like a million things I would have asked for before Turkish Delight. Yeah, so. right? It's very it's interesting. Huh? <laughs> Tilda Swinton's performance reminds me a lot of Lena Headley's Circe. In the early, mm. the, or not, not later, in the early scene. The first scene when she's... Pretending when not she's pretending to be, to be nice, yeah. That reminded me so much of Cersei. Yeah, the first scene with Edmund when he gets yeah. on the cart. I was like, man, <laughs> Lena Headley was channeling that performance a little bit, like little elements of it, just the you know that sort of two faced, yeah, passive aggression. Oh, it's Professor Slughorn. So <laughs> 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 oh, the professor. It's yeah, it's Professor. Slughorn. And I, in my head, my canon. My fanfic is that <laughs> that fanon? professor. What? Fanon? Sure. My fanon. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's. Uh, yep. <laughs> my headcanon. That's the right word for it. That's yeah, the, it is. Yeah. My headcanon is that the professor, since he's a wizard, mm-hmm. he's got a hold of a. And Slughorn, if anybody would know somebody with a philosopher's stone, it might mm-hmm. be Slughorn because, you know, he mm, true. likes to befriend all those really smart yeah. people. He probably is friends with he's a, He's a little bit of a morally gray. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, and he was probably friends with Fumau, so he got himself some of that, uh, <laughs> some of that philosopher's juice, and uh, so it's him. It's the same character in hmm. Harry Potter, comes circa nineteen ninety eight or whenever the books take place. I could buy that. It would make sense. Yeah, all the magic and stuff. Yeah, you know, kind of works. Kind of works. But anyways, yeah, the <laughs> Professor Slughorn, the actor who plays Professor Slughorn, Slughorn plays the professor in this. And I was like, you didn't even realize that you didn't recognize no, him. No, I didn't recognize I was like, him. Listen to the voice. <laughs> like, he looks similar but different, but listen yeah. to the voice that is very clearly Slughorn. Which, and then my follow up note to that, which is, that's right, it's Britain. Everybody is in everything. Yeah. Every actor is yeah. in everything because, spoilers, Father Christmas. Is Lord Commander Mormont from Game of Thrones, <laughs> which was even more, even stranger to me than than because uh, I what's his name's in everything. The guy that plays Slughorn, he's mm-hmm. in all kinds of stuff. But I never, I don't think I've ever seen uh, the guy who plays Commander Mormont. Jur, I don't know how to say it. It's like G E O R. He's Jorah's father. I don't think I'd ever seen him in anything else. And I'm like, why is he <laughs> Santa Claus? What is happening? Like, it was so strange. <laughs> Very weird to me. He's but. just out handing out weapons to children. You Makes know, sense, the you usual know, thing. The Night Watch, the Lord Commanders <laughs> of the Night Watch, would just be, he basically does hand out weapons to children. Kind of his job. Headcanon. <laughs> Lord Commander Mormon becomes, didn't die, he got stabbed. They all thought he died. Stayed north of the wall. Went a little further north of the wall. Became Father Christmas. Mm, I like that one, too. Yep. <laughs> Handing out weapons. Well, how great would it have been if the sword he gave 
Peter was uh, the uh, whatever. The, I mean, Jon Snow has it, so it doesn't really make yeah. sense. But the, his sword, that would be pretty good. This movie won an Oscar for makeup. Yeah, I think he told yeah, us. I did, yeah, I did. Um, and uh, and I I get it. But also Tilda Swinton's hair. It I. It's funny you say that because I was like, you know, this makeup. I don't get why it won or not. Like, well, what was it up against? I, I don't know. That's the thing. I don't. I didn't look what it was up against. So yeah. maybe there wasn't. But like, I guess I got what they were going for with Tumness, and mm-hmm. it was very subtle. But it was almost too subtle. Like it, 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 it was subtle, bordering on it just looks like a guy with weird ears. Like, <laughs> I mean, like he didn't, and he had kind of a strange nose. Like I felt like they could have pushed him a little more goat. Yeah, no, and they it definitely could have. You know what I mean? It really. I, I, I mean, I don't know what they were drawing on from the from the book, or if there were illustrate old illustrations that they were. I don't know. I'm just. I, I, I thought, like, particularly in particular, Tumnus just felt very... And, and, you know, there's something to be said about a very good, uh, well-executed, subtle makeup that mm-hmm. sort of alludes to the, the forms of goat that we're looking for. But it just... It, I don't know. It just didn't hit me in a way that really blew my mind. I mean, it, it's a kid's movie. It could be that they were trying not to scare any children. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's fair, too. They want it to be very... Yeah. Because, uh, uh, I mean, if you think about um, the fawn in... Pan's Labyrinth came out just a year later. Fun in Pan's Labyrinth is pretty scary. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's also pretty scary. It is pretty scary. And no, I didn't need to go that far with it. I was actually about to Google and see if they came out the same year because I was just thinking, you know what? If Pan's Labyrinth came out the same year and lost to this, I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) And now Pan's Labyrinth better have won for Best Makeup. I don't know if it did. I'm assuming it did. I'm just going to assume the world is just... But uh, which is probably you a mistake. You should assume nothing. This is probably a mistake, but um Okay. Oscars two thousand six. Oh it yeah. was up against uh Cinderella Man and okay, that, yeah. Star Wars episode three. Okay. Just those two and they only had three nominated. That's for- all that's listed on here. Yeah, I can see that. Because Cinderella Man would have been uh, it's a boxing movie. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was a Russell Crowe boxing movie. It would have been like uh, injury like makeup, injury makeup yeah. and like you know that sort of thing. And then, okay, um, just just by the by, Pan's Labyrinth did in fact win for best makeup. Okay. It also won for best achievement in art direction and cinematography. It won three well, Oscars, so it was nominated for three more. It was nominated for <laughs> best writing, best music, and best foreign language. Well, I'm film. glad that we're talking about Pan's Labyrinth <laughs> right now because. <laughs> so. Because uh, it's not based on a book, so yeah, we, get a we won't get to talk about cannot it. Cannot recommend that film. I off. love that movie. <laughs> Great film. But Tilda Swinton's hair, yes, <laughs> is real questionable. Yeah, it's not great. It's like, is it supposed to be white person dreadlocks? Is it supposed to be braids? <sighs> I like, don't know. What is it? Yeah, it is kind of like dreadlocks. Yeah, kind of. It's, it's like strange. weird. And then, like in the last battle, she has it like, like all pulled up in a point yeah, <laughs> over her head. It's weird. Like, what are yeah, we going for here? In the book, um, well, I mean, they don't describe what her hair looks like, but there are little um, incline illustrations oh, yeah. in the book, and they show her having, like, long, dark hair. Oh, really? So, huh. yeah. My biggest problem with this movie, mm-hmm. and it was the same thing I felt, and I tried not to let it bother me this time, Like because I, I, I knew it was my biggest problem the first time I watched it, and it's still the same problem I have now, is everything is too clean. 
mm-hmm. and sound stagey and everything. They, I guess because they were shooting in, I don't know where they shot. I assume in Europe. Oh, so much of this movie is on sound stages and in front of green screens. And, yeah. And, and one, it doesn't hold up, but two, it just really hurts. The, no, no, there's also lots of really nice actual uh, uh, on location, you know, in hillsides and mountains mm-hmm. and forests and that sort of thing. But like a lot of it is like very sound stagey and clean, and it just really hurts the the it, it takes away the weight and the authenticity mm-hmm. and the and the the way it feels and now it's hard it's hard not to compare this to Lord of the Rings yeah. and, you know it's just hard not to especially yeah. with when it came out and for me at the time when I saw it that was the reason I really disliked it was because I was like Lord of the Rings felt so real now there are scenes especially in the in like Return of the King that are obviously very green screen you know very mm-hmm. CGI heavy uh, in the war uh, the war Minas Tirith and that sort of thing. That feel, you know, and they haven't aged so as well. Mm-hmm. But, like, so much of this, like, in that final battle, it's all so bright and shiny and clean. And all their armor is just, like... Yeah. It's, like, cartoon armor. And, like, now I get it's a kid's book. And so it kind of works. Like, I get what they're going for, I think. But it just, to me, as a general viewer, if I wasn't a little kid... Like, if I was a little kid, it wouldn't make any difference to me. I would just be like, yeah, oh, sure. cool, fun, yeah. armor, war, fight, battle, cool. But watching it as an informed viewer, and not even not even now, when I when I saw it when I was fifteen years old or whatever, mm-hmm. let's see, seventeen years old, I was like, it just it all looks so fake. Yeah, like it just all looks. Ugh. I think it, it was hurt by Lord of the Rings having come out first. Yeah, because it definitely doesn't achieve the same things like costume wise yeah, or cinematography wise or world uh, building wise yeah, no, not even close. Um, that's which, which is a shame because if you read the books like narnia is a pretty cool place no, and I, and like I, it's not it's not you know middle earth right. mythology it's not that deep. level it's yeah not, yeah, not but it's that. pretty neat yeah. you know well and and that comes through and i wanted to like it more like i i, I liked a lot about it but everything it's just I, I kept every time i wanted to like it more and get more into it I would be pulled back a little by just how fake everything looks yeah. and how like plastic, like t- it just all has this weird sheen over mm-hmm. it. Kind of almost like some parts of the Hobbit movies mm. to an extent. Now they don't do, they're, they're still better in the sense that a lot of their makeup or in the costumes and the, and the props feel very real and weighty and, and they're aged. And it's, I mean, and it's the number one thing. And now I, I, maybe there's a reason they did this, but that was my biggest problem with the battle scene is that all their armor, every armor that everybody's wearing looks mm-hmm. like it was made yesterday, mm-hmm. which just feels so it's so, I mean, if you, I, I, in my spare time, you know, I, one of my things, I like making props. I like making, um, you know, stuff. And one <laughs> of the best things, and we do a lot of like, uh, we do some cosplaying and making costumes and yeah. for Halloween and stuff. And one of the easiest, quickest things you can do to make make a, a prop or a toy or, or anything look, go from, this looks like a plastic thing that, that I bought at the dollar store <laughs> to, that looks like a 400-year-old pirate gun, is to make it look dirty. Yeah. Not even real dirty, just a little yeah. dirty. And all of a sudden, it looks... It looks completely a million different. times better. It looks completely different. And it's just everything everything in this movie needed a layer of, not a lot, just a layer of like dirt rubbed yeah. on it and then wiped off. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I don't know a ton about how CGI works. I don't um, know much more than you, but maybe a little. <laughs> but I, uh, I mean, well, what I'm going to say, a lot of the armor was on like creatures. 
Yes. It's on, like, animals and centaurs. and So I'm wondering, like, is that a way that they tried to cut corners? Maybe, but that wasn't my problem. My problem, because that I could look past, Mm because you don't really get a a good enough size. My problem was all of the real people, like Peter's armor and... All of the characters that were real characters, whether they were in makeup, you know, mm-hmm. like his centaur buddy and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, was speaking of him, who? Why do we care about him? I don't know. <laughs> they share a very meaningful moment yeah, before maybe the battle. Meaningful. I wonder if there was a deleted there must scene, be a deleted like scene said, where they had like a bonding moment. Because yeah. I'm like, well, do you even know each other? He's like, I will die for you, and I'm like, why? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, like, I get he's but, the prophesied right, yeah, king. Yeah, he's the prophesy. He's the prophes- The yeah, the prophesied one, prophesized one, whatever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but yeah, it's it, it wasn't so much all the CG stuff. Mm-hmm. It was the yeah, it was like whenever time you saw Peter with his sword or shield in his armor, it just like. What, and I guess it kind of makes sense that it wouldn't be dirty because he just got it. And yeah. not just him, but, like, even – I don't know. It just all felt so fake. It all looks like plastic. No, like I get makeup, it. Makeup, like, yeah. we're I, play I, acting. I agree. It. I don't know. It's, it's, just, it's not – it's a fun movie, yeah. but it's it's not a piece of art the way that something no. like Lord of the yeah. Rings is. Yeah. Uh, and I, I wonder if that's part of the reason why this franchise didn't take Failed. off. Yeah. Well, and part of it is a, because they were, I mean, like it or not, and even as different as what uh, the kind of the vibe they're going for, they were directly competing with Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and now they started after the last Lord of the Rings ended. So they weren't, I mean, I say they were, they weren't directly competing like box office wise because Lord of the Rings was done mm-hmm. in like 2003 or 2004. And this first one of these came out in 2005. But they were competing in the public consciousness yes, and, because, and, and in stealing our hearts and making yeah. us want to care about this people who didn't read the book. Yeah. Well, and, and Lord of the Rings had just done high fantasy adaptation really, really well. As good as anybody's ever done. Yeah. Like, as good as it gets. Probably. And you had, they had to match that. Yeah. And they couldn't. They couldn't. But it's still, it's still pretty good. Like yeah. that's the thing. It's just, it's just, it's, it's just something about it. It just couldn't. It, I wanted to buy in, but I couldn't. And it was a lot of it for me was just how fake everything mm-hmm. and just not lived in and not real. Like it, I felt like Narnia felt like. So they transfer. They go through the wardrobe to this place, but I want that place. So it could have literally just started existing as soon as they walked to the wardrobe. As far as we know, in terms yeah. of the story. But that's not what happened, and, and and for us to want, for me to want to really care about that place and 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 the and care about what happens to it, it needs to feel like a real place to me. Yeah, like no, with I real agree. filled with real characters and with real weight to it. And when you don't have that, and a lot of that is the the the, the art direction, and the set design, mm-hmm. and the props, and all that, it, it just. I no, can't yeah, there's buy in. there's very little character to the way that they yes. depict Narnia, yeah. whereas. When you watch Lord of the Rings, yeah. um, even without all the characters and everything, just by looking around, you can see the history yeah. of that world. Yeah. And Middle you, Earth yeah. lives and breathes yeah. <laughs> in those movies. Like, I mean, Middle Earth, when we come into it, it's... It's almost post-apocalyptic yeah, well, you know, looking. It, it, like, well, it's very post. Um, it's post the Golden Age. Yeah, yeah. It's on the downside. Well, it's this is the Third Age. Yeah. I, I, no, yeah. It's the Third Age uh, of in within the lore of the Lord of the Rings. There's the First Age, and then I believe the Second Age ended when the Ring was lost. I think mm. I could be wrong. Tolkien scholars hit me up, but I think it was right <laughs> around the time the Ring was lost, 
the second age ended and the third age started. Like, with that battle. Like, yeah. When Sauron was defeated was when the second age ended, I think. Um, and so this is the third age. So there's, there's already been... Right. 20,000, I don't even know how long, you know, thousands of years of history... And, and but you feel all thousands of years of that history, and with uh, I'm going on and on to saying the same thing, right. but it's uh, it's just frustrating. No, it, I it wanted to like feel it the same lived way. In. It doesn't feel like it has a history. It, like I said, there's very little character yeah. to the way that they depict it. Yeah. Um, and Narnia does have a history. Most of the books in the series are actually set. Well, not most of them, but some of them are actually set before yeah. the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe happens. Yeah. I mean, there is a history to it. We yeah. just don't get to see that in the movie because of the way they decided to shoot it and yeah. That's have it look. It's all just so shiny and clean and bright, and it just—I guess they were making it like, ah, it's a fun kids movie, but like, ugh, it could have been that and still been because. And, and not to yeah. go too on long on this, which we already have, um, <laughs> but like if you compare it to like Harry Potter, which is still, mm-hmm. especially even those first couple movies are like the first two movies that Chris Columbus did are fun, bright. Yeah, fun kids movies, but the world still feels real and lived yeah. in, and and you, no, uh, it has the weight of the history of it, which this just doesn't. I have a hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Aslan is actually more powerful than Jesus. <laughs> Why? Well, first of all, he's a lion. <laughs> ba boom. Jesus him. is just a dude. Got him. Um. Secondly, it takes Jesus three days. Three days. Oof. To come back from the dead. Three days. days. To come back from the dead. How long does it take Aslan? Less than a night. And from the time he disappears to comes back is like... Yeah. Ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Which I believe the tomb was empty for at least a day, I think, right? I, uh, it's been yeah. a while since I've read my moment. <laughs> I did read it once a long time ago, but... Um, my hot take in the same vein, I had a whole thing about it here uh, regarding Aslan, is that... I wrote, it's funny you mentioned that, because this is actually a better version of the Jesus story. I know, it really is. Than the Bible, <laughs> which makes sense, because C.S. Lewis sat there, read the Bible, goes, I'm going to do this better. <laughs> make some good, yeah. little, good little better propaganda. I can do the Bible better. C.S. Lewis said, I'm going to do the Bible, hashtag better. Oh, that's an Oxford Lit professor for you. Yeah. And he did. I mean, like, uh, not the Bible better, but the story of Jesus. Uh, yeah. Because in this world, and, and now without getting, I don't know enough about the thing. The thing that I that I like about it, and the thing that makes more sense to me, mm-hmm. is that we have no reason, in the, in the movie, we have no reason to believe that Aslan is in any way responsible. Or, there's no allusion to the fact that Aslan is the emperor, or is somehow one in the same of mm-hmm. the emperor or that the emperor is has has uh manifested in physical form in Asland. Mm-hmm. So we have no reason to think that cuz one of the <laughs> one little theology here one of the biggest <laughs> problems of the Jesus story in my opinion uh is the idea that God creator all powerful being on high created all these rules the world the universe everything and then in order to fulfill rules that he created, mm-hmm. had to manifest physically and sacrifice himself, assuming Jesus is Lord God, yeah. to himself right. for rules he 
created. Judeo-Christian mythology <laughs> makes about as much sense as any other mythology. No, it does. This is very true. I don't disagree in that regard. I'm just saying, that was always a big problem I had with the Jesus story. I was like, wait, so if he is... God, and now I know there's, you know, nuanced uh, theology that sure, can, yeah. you know, kind of try to poke hole. But, like, ultimately, when you boil it right down, Jesus is God. God sacrificed himself to himself <laughs> because of rules he made, ultimately. And uh, man, sin, free will, blah, blah, blah. We'll, yeah, we can have that discussion another day. But <laughs> in this one, there's no allusion to the fact that that's the case. It's yeah. just that Aslan makes a purely, as just a guy, or like a, you know, a lion. <laughs> as a lion, uh, makes a purely selfless... Yeah, self-sacrificing. Yeah, and sacrifices himself. Uh, in order to, you know, uh, to spare this kid, basically. Yeah. I was like, that is a much more, to me, a giant heathen, that is a much <laughs> more, uh, a much nicer and a much, and makes way more sense and mm -hmm. is, it is way less like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> just, like, it just, it's just a much more satisfying story and narrative than the Bible happens to be, which makes sense to C.S. Lewis was like, hey, I can do this. Well, so I'm wrap up, up. Show this to your kids. This makes sense, kind of. <laughs> Like, <laughs> you know, like I get oh it. Like I, I get it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so a thought that I had um, while we're talking about Aslan during the movie is that if it if it wasn't for like the sacrificing himself and rising again bit, mm -hmm. he would also be like a feasible stand-in for King Richard Lionheart. Yeah, which um, makes sense. Like, yeah, with like a like. British yeah. mythology. Yeah, yeah. You know, good king who's been away for a long time yeah. and in his stead a false monarch has usurped the throne and yep. wreaked havoc on the citizenry. Yeah. So yeah. so British. Yeah. So very British. <laughs> so very You're British. so British, C.S. Lewis. Hashtag so British. <laughs> That's what, isn't that a thing in community where they're like that No, so Brita. Uh no, uh, uh Brita when you Brita something up. Yeah. Yeah, never mind. It's a little different. During the battle, when the birds and the griffins are dropping rocks yeah. on the other army, it was similar looking to the opening when the planes are yeah. coming down yeah, yeah, with Blitzkrieg. Yeah, yeah, that was neat. I didn't um, notice that. Yeah. Which then kind of disappointed me because I was thinking, like, you know what would have made a lot of sense? At the beginning of the movie, when they're getting on the train, they tease at the idea of Peter wanting to like join the war effort. Yeah. And be a soldier. Like, he's, like, yeah. looking over at the soldiers. If they had showed him, like, reading books about, like, battle tactics and stuff like uh -huh. that, and, like, having a vested interest yeah. in that, it yeah. would have made the battle scenes in Narnia way more convincing. Yeah, no, it would have. That would have been neat. Yeah. Yeah. And it would have made sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true. That would have been cool. So here's a fun thing I wrote. Hey, it's the gift scene from Fellowship. Then I did some quick Googling. Oh shit, did J.R.R. Tolkien rip this off <laughs> and put it? Because uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe came out like five years before Fellowship yeah. of the Ring. Wait, which scene? The, the scene where about? Father Christmas gives mm -hmm. the presents to the kids. That is like exactly the scene when uh, Galadriel gives oh. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the, the light of uh, whatever, the even star and uh, the hair and the. Daggers or whatever. They, she gives them a bunch of stuff when they leave uh, mm -hmm. Lothlorien. Not Lothlorien. Yeah. Yeah. No. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, Florian, whatever. One of the two. Or one of the, one of those woods. One of those ancient woods. One of those elven places. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like the same scene. Oh, there's a little more buildup and it makes a little yeah. more sense in Lord of the Rings. But it's not just Santa just doesn't show up and go, ha ha, there you go. <laughs> but, but it does make sense because Santa showing up means that the White Witch's power is breaking. Because right. yes. it's always winter and, and winter never is, Christmas. Yes, and Christmas has come. No, it does make sense. Sorry. It's just, it's very sudden. In the, you know, yeah. like it does make sense. It's just like, well, Santa's here. Oh, we got sword. Cool. All right, let's go. <laughs> uh. Well, if it makes you feel any better in the book, they also have like a meal. With Santa, he like brings them nice. like a British a tea breakfast? and breakfast. Yeah. Oh, it is nice. Speaking of the sword that Peter gets, and this is like one of my last notes. It would take such an insane amount of strength, and I'm sure <laughs> this is just in the movie, but to drive that sword as far as he does into that hunk of ice <laughs> when they yeah. ride, he drives that thing like three feet into the ice and like zero, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, uh, uh-uh, buddy. <laughs> You would have to have like a sledgehammer and like coom, coom to get that. There's like no percent chance. You were... That scene is not in the book. No, I'm sure I knew it wasn't. I was like, I'm sure that's all added for the movie, yeah. which I didn't put that in. But I did think that I did think that that was at least expanded upon for the movie. Yeah, it's like you could not. If you look in the movie, that sword is way down in that ice. I'm like, ah. No way. No, not happening. I don't have any more notes. Uh, I don't either. Oh, just one more. I was like, oh, that's right. Lion Neeson is in this movie. <laughs> Le- Leon, Leon, Lion, Leon, Lion Neeson. Neeson. I don't know. I have a particular set of skills. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> just one skill, really. <laughs> just, just one skill. <laughs> the Son of God. <laughs> I will find you. And I will sacrifice myself for all humanity. <laughs> Uh, time for the final verdict. So, Katie. Okay. Which one is better? I know where this is going. It's fine. So, this is a really faithful adaptation. Right. Like I said. And it's not every day that you get to watch a book on screen. Like I said. <laughs> but I have to go with the book. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, the movie is fun. Yeah. The book is nostalgia in page form. Yeah. Um, and I, I know I'm saying this as someone who read the books as a kid, yeah. but I think there's a little bit more to it than that. If you read them, the style of the Narnia books is very gentle and matter of fact. It's a kind of style that was really common in children's literature in that age. So even though it's an adventure story, the writing style kind of almost makes it feel like it's a slice of life story. And in my opinion, that style is a big part of what makes it feel nostalgic. Um, And I think that it would feel that way regardless of whether or not you read it as a kid, like because of that older style. So like to me, the book is basically the literary equivalent of like grandma's home baked cookies. And there's something really special about that that a film adaptation just can't capture. Especially one that looks squeaky clean and characterless. Yeah. Yeah. Is it that all of the faults I have with the movie could not possibly be present yeah. in the book. They just couldn't on principle of why the, the problems I have with the film, mm-hmm. it's not a problem that could be in the book. I mean, I guess it could if there was like a lack of description or something. But like that's, you know, the fact that it all looks so clean and fake and, and, yeah. and not lived in and, and, and lacks the weight and the sincerity. Not sincerity is not the right word. But... um the gravitas of mm-hmm. uh, of a of a lived in world 
as long as the author is doing an okay job describing it, which I'm assuming C.S. Lewis did based on how loved this book is, those problems I would not have with the book. So it totally makes sense that you would choose the book over the movie because the movie is just it's fine. It's just not that great. Yeah, yeah. it's it's okay. Yeah. That's going to do it for the 10th episode of This Film is Lit. Ninth. 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 Our ninth episode. I want it to be the 10th. The Christmas Carol. All Christmas Carol's the 10th episode. Speaking of which, you can go and vote on our Facebook page right now. Not on Twitter. We lied about that before. Because <laughs> <laughs> Twitter only allows four options in a poll, and we have five. Yeah, so. I'm betrayed by Twitter. I was really upset. Yeah. So, but on our Facebook page, we already have like almost 20 votes. A Muppet Christmas Carol is leading heftily. Yes. Uh, currently. twice the votes of any other option. Which I had a feeling that was going to be the case. Yeah. Because most people, that's the one they've seen. I'm the only one that's voted for my favorite, the Patrick Stewart one. So anybody out there who likes the Patrick Stewart Christmas Carol, feel free to go vote and make me make some fake Facebook accounts and vote some more. Anyways, you can check that out on our <laughs> Facebook page. Just search This Film is Lit on Facebook. Uh, it's pinned to the top of the page, so you'll be very easy to find. Whichever one gets the most votes, we will be doing for our 10th episode, our second Christmas episode, which will be coming out in two weeks from today, if you're listening to this on Tuesday when it comes out. Before that, we will be uh, on our next episode, uh, our prequel to the 10th episode, we will be discussing Coco. We're going to see Coco mm -hmm. this coming Tuesday, so we'll have a little review of that. We might be going to see The Shape of Water. We, but I don't know if that'll be out yet. It might be. We will be seeing The Shape of Water at some point, because big Guillermo del Toro fans, and uh, it looks fantastic, but yeah. we're not exactly sure when it comes out. I think the 8th-ish in that ballpark, Yeah, it seems like, maybe. It's hard to... I still haven't been... We were looking the other day and couldn't find a concrete date of when it comes yeah. out everywhere. So once that comes out, we'll be reviewing that and talking about The Shape of Water. But until then, I think that's all. So go ahead and keep reading books, keep watching movies, go ahead and go get lost in a wardrobe or something. <laughs> Until the next return of Aslan. Yeah. We're still waiting on that, by the way. <laughs> still waiting. <laughs> <laughs>